This is the Out of Character Podcast. Introducing your host, Brian Colbert. Welcome, world. Welcome to episode four of the Out of Character Podcast, the OOC Podcast. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You could call me BC too if you're listening. And we appreciate you for listening, man. Shout out to all of our viewers, all of our listeners for supporting up to this point man we having a good time man i'm loving doing this podcast i really feel like i regret not doing this a long time ago man because it's so much fun talking to you guys every week talking to the different guests that we have every week and man we got a great show for you guys today great great show for you guys today man i'm very excited right now it's almost midnight friday morning thursday night and we're recording late man we're recording late because the versus battle just Ended. We talking about the verses against Gucci Mane and Jeezy, man. An, a legendary matchup. A matchup a lot of us didn't think we would ever see because of the long-tenured beef these brothers had. I'm not even going to put beef in air quotes because this beef was real. People lost lives. It was very dangerous. So first off, shout out to these kings for showing progress, man, because some stuff seems as if it's unforgivable. Some stuff seems as if you can never get past it and some beefs feel like they're gonna live forever. And I truly felt that this Jeezy and Gucci beef was gonna go to the end of time. But holding on to grudges, holding on to negative things like that does nothing for anybody, man. It, it eats at the soul, man. And I do feel like eventually we have to answer for all of these things. So to get as much positivity in this world, especially in 2020 as we can, it's beautiful, man. Shout out to these guys for really coming out and showing the world that, man, you could get past beefs and, you know, when you're a grown man, all that hood, all that hood shit go out the window, man, because these brothers got families to take care of, man. They got careers, businesses. Jeezy kept talking about his real estate. Gucci kept talking about his gear, his clothes. These brothers got a lot more to lose now, and I'm glad the brothers realized that, and I'm also glad that they were able to get together, man. It was a very, very fun versus. Now, for those of y'all don't know, First of all, I'm a huge Jeezy fan, but an even bigger Gucci fan. To me, Gucci is really one of the goats of hip hop. And that's just because of all of the different talent he's been able to bring to us, man. He's discovered so many artists. He's discovered some of your favorite artists and he was the first one to give him a chance and wasn't really asking for nothing. Really was just appreciating music enough to give all of these new up and comers a chance. And I, to me, that's just dope. And to me, that's what it's all about. We've talked about that before. When you're in a position of power, when you're in a position of influence, Using that influence to help others, man. Gucci did not have to put other rappers on. And some of these rappers he's put on might, some people might think they're bigger than he is. Like for Migos, for instance. But Gucci never cared about that. Gucci's always stayed solid, always kept it 100. And Gucci is a wild, wild boy. So to me, I had Gucci winning this initially. Before it started, I was like, yo, Gucci's gonna win this. I was so shocked by how many people were acting like Gucci was just gonna get washed. How many people thought that Jeezy's just catalog was so much bigger than Gucci's? And to me, outside of Wayne, I don't know if there's an artist with a bigger catalog. There was a point in time when Gucci was making music every day, where you would constantly had to look up mixtapes and see what Gucci put out next. Because Gucci was constantly making songs, whether it was features, whether it was own songs. Gucci had mixtapes out the ass man so i was just if anything i said gucci was gonna have a hard time picking because just 20 songs is that's tough when you have a catalog like gucci has and it's for gc too because Gucci's catalog is elite as well but i definitely thought that gucci was gonna get the upper hand man because i just felt 
Gucci's classic classics, those club bangers that we hear, that we've heard since the minute they came out to today, I thought that that was going to ring hard. But to be honest, Gucci didn't really play the songs I thought he was going to play. Gucci took it a different route. Gucci started the verses. For those of y'all didn't see, we'll give you a little quick recap. He started the verses with two diss songs to Jesus. Now, a lot of people coming into this weren't sure what the energy was going to be. But when you know Swiss is involved, you know that it's going to be on some type of positive vibration that, you know, he's going to try to coach these guys into just, you know, making it about the music, making it about the culture and not about their past beat. But leading up to the verses, we saw Gucci kind of getting in his old Gucci bag. <laughs> no pun intended, where my man was talking that shit, you know, calling Jeezy names, you know, just just kind of having that energy where it's like, oh, nah, bro, shit ain't sweet. Like, it's still what's up. Real quick, before you before we get into the verses too much, let me tell you a little background of Jeezy and Gucci. I'm going to give you a real quick synopsis because it's like decades long. Like, this is a real serious beef. Long story short, supposedly one of Jeezy's homies, a few of Jeezy's homies went to rob Gucci. When they went to rob him, Gucci had the heat on him. And when them boys tried to run away, Gucci caught one, clipped one, and killed him. One of Jeezy's known homies. After the fact, there were songs and music made where Gucci was like, yo, I killed your boy. Like, you know, basically like talking his shit because, yo, y'all tried to rob me. Now, I'm never going to speculate on what really happened all that. But that's just the story that was going around hip hop at the time years, years ago. So this is serious. This is serious that Gucci could have died in this situation. One of Jeezy's close homeboys did die in this situation. And there was legitimate songs talking about how Gucci killed Jeezy's homeboy. And you know, when it comes to street niggas, I'm not a street nigga. I've never been a street nigga. But as a lover of hip hop, we've seen how street niggas carry themselves and hold themselves. And we know that certain things are unforgivable. And those are one of those things that I think we all thought was unforgivable. So going into this battle, we were all kind of on nails. Like, man, what the hell is going to happen? What Gucci is coming? You know, because Gucci Man was a wild boy back in the day. This new Gucci is refined, you know, doesn't go on these wild Twitter rants. Man, Twitter used to be crazy when the old Gucci was around, bro, because he would just say and do the wildest things. And one thing I've always said about Gucci is that, you know, a lot of these rappers, you hear them talk about that hood shit, and a lot of it you can say, oh, man, that's entertainment. But with Gucci, I always believed him. No matter what Gucci has ever said, I've always believed what this brother was talking. I, I truly feel he is about that action and about that life. You could tell by the way he moves. I also didn't think Gucci was the type to ever let anything go. Because, I mean, we saw how my man just pulled up that story about Angelie on The Breakfast Club. That was, like, years ago that Angelie didn't even remember. And he was still holding on to that. So, we, we know that Gucci will hold on to a grudge and that Gucci's going to speak his mind. So, like I said, we were all on pins and needles waiting to see what would happen. So... Gucci starts the battle with two diss tracks. One brand new one that it seemed like he just made for the versus battle, which I just think is fucking dope, man. Which I just think is hard, bro. Like, you come up with that energy, man. That's the energy that you're going to keep throughout the battle. And he did keep that energy throughout the battle. But let me tell you, man, Jeezy did not come to play. Jeezy did not come to play today because, man, he flawless. Flawless is the word I want to use. Flawless is the word I want to use to describe how Jeezy came into this battle, man. His song selection was perfect. You could tell that he was working on the fly with certain songs. Gucci would have a song and he would be like, you know what? See him whisper to his boy and he'd come back with something even harder, man. Um, It was close at first. 
But let me tell you, Jeezy pulled away. I had Jeezy winning by a lot. I think a lot of people had Jeezy winning by a lot. And I still don't think it's because Gucci doesn't have the catalog. Gucci doesn't have the hits. I don't think that's true. I just don't necessarily think Gucci played his best records. Some of them, of course, he played some bangers, man. And a lot of people with Gucci have that cult following. And maybe I'm part of that because... You know, there's some regions, especially like in the East Coast, where people never really listen to mixtape Gucci, don't really know much about him outside of like Lemonade and Wasted, like his actual, you know, big records that played on radio. So a lot of people were asleep on Gucci. Um, and I guess it was rightfully so because Jeezy came in and worked, buddy. Like Jeezy really came in and handled his business. And the most impressive part to me was his poise because gucci as gucci started because in these verses you realize who's hot you realize who has the momentum and you realize who's winning and as gucci started to lose gucci's kind of attitude changed the bully came out again and gucci started talking shit gucci played the song like the the song that was like the core of they beef talking about how he killed his boy and like looking at jeezy while they doing the verses and call jeezy a pussy like that's wild because you know you think of jeezy you like jeezy about that action too but man, Jeezy stayed calm, bro. Jeezy said his piece. He says, you know, man, like I'm supposed to, I'm coming at you as a man. Like we ain't fun of that disrespect. You don't gotta be none of that. But Gucci being Gucci, wasn't hearing that. Gucci was on the time he was on. He said, yo, you know, if you're gonna have me on here, I'm gonna talk my shit. And respectfully so, Jeezy kept it moving forward. He didn't go back and forth with him and he continued to do his thing. And I think that that helped that my man was winning. And I think it added to the win, the poise, because you could just tell the energy of Jeezy was he was there to win, man. He was there to close it out. That was game seven for him. And he, everything he needed to do, he closed it out. So it got a little ugly because Gucci did get a little disrespectful and said some wild shit that like, you just don't expect two men to say face to face. You know, a lot of they beef was, you know, over music, over Twitter, over social media. You know, it's different talking to reporters, talking to interviews. When you face to face with a man and you still got that energy, says something about you but it was a bad look especially during times like this where black folks feel the need to be more unified than ever rightfully so 2020 has been crazy and i think the worst thing any of us could have seen was that situation go bad and go negative seeing that situation go left it just wouldn't make anybody feel good especially with everything we're going through but it didn't go left at the end and i don't know if all of that was planned from jump but at the end gucci and jeezy the song that they did together years back and they performed it together and it seemed as if it's all love Jeezy said it. he said yo we can leave this all here right now and i hope that's what happened man i hope that's what they did um because you want to see elevation you know the beef shit be entertaining especially when you're young and you know a lot of these young rappers is on that beef shit and they're killing each other we're seeing people pass away at an alarming rate especially in the hip-hop community so to see two OGs, man, two people that I know have a lot of respect in the game, show poise and grace like that and be able to squash beef that was serious, that was real, that was not just media made. This was a real life beef and these brothers squashed it on IG Live for the fans. They played music, man. My house was shaking. I had the speakers blasting. It was an amazing, amazing thing, bro. And I love this verse and stuff. Honestly, this probably was my favorite one since Jill Scott and Erica Badu. That one was fire. I'm a, I'm a huge soul for R&B guy. And 
man, this versus battle was amazing. So shout out Swiss B, shout out Timbo, shout out Gucci Man, shout out Jeezy. Jeezy, you did win it, bro. I eat my words because I did think Gucci was gonna get you, Jeezy, bro. You did your thing, and I think this solidifies both of y'all as goats in hip hop, man. So I hope y'all get y'all flowers. I know after these verses, y'all streams go up like crazy. So that's dope, man. This versus thing is so cool, and I can't wait to see what they have next because this was a big one. This is what people were waiting to see. So can't wait to see who they have next. Cause let me tell you, Ti been begging. Ti begging for somebody to versus him, man. Can y'all, what do y'all just give Ti a bone, man? Just give him somebody. Dang, Ti thirsty to be on this damn versus. But I understand why. I feel like a lot of people disrespect Ti. A lot of people don't respect his catalog the way he should. So he wants to show y'all, like, hey, man, listen, bro, I'm still this guy. Um, so man, like I said, shout out to versus. Shit was so cool, man. It was a great time, man. But we got more to get into, man. We got a lot more to get into on this show. We have some special guests coming. I'm your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC, too. And this is the Out of Character Podcast, episode four. Now, y'all know, you know, for me, these podcast sessions are like therapy, right? I come to talk to y'all because I trust y'all. Because I love y'all because I know y'all are not going to judge me for my views. I know this is a safe place. Now, people, I saw something that bothered me. Saw it on Twitter. It was a viral tweet. This brother said that his homeboy had his girl buy him a PS5. And he sold the PS5 to get his girl a ring. Don't know what he was thinking, but that's what he decided to do. Now, that's not what's troubling me, even though that is very odd. Like, you basically had her pay for her own ring, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the response. When I'm scrolling, I see a response. One of the homegirls responded to it and was like, he traded in his PS5 for a $500 ring. Uh, if if you financed my ring with a PS5, hold your proposal. As if to say that if the love of her life was proposing to her with a $500 ring, and we're not just talking about him selling the PS5 for it, but a $500 ring, she wouldn't have it. She'd rather not be married and break this brother's heart and say no than take on that $500 ring. And it got me thinking. Well, what's the appropriate price for a wedding ring for a woman? Like, what is the average cost that a man spends on an engagement ring? You know, a researcher, the journalist in me wanted to know. So I looked it up. And when I looked it up, I not only found out that, but I also found out the average cost of men's engagement rings and men's wedding rings. I found the average cost of men's rings. And let me tell you guys, the numbers are staggering. Now, I did not make these up. I promise you guys, this comes from some source. Honestly, I'm telling my head, I don't know what source it was, but I'm trusting it because it was online. Nobody lies online, right? Let me read this to you guys so I don't mess it up. Let me read these statistics to you guys because they're alarming to say the least. The average amount of a bride's ring, including the band, $6,000. $6,113 to be precise. In 2020, the average cost of a wedding ring was between $5,968 and $6,258. 73% of engagement rings are made from white gold. Why they added that, I'm not completely sure. Maybe white gold is more expensive. But this was interesting. One in five brides actually selects their wedding rings. Like they selected themselves. So as in they go to the store and tell their man, get me this. I want this. $6,000. Now, 
what would you guess a groom's wedding ring is? Now, of course, like I said, the wedding's not really about us, right? It's about, you know, making our queens feel good. So what would you guess? Maybe a couple thousand, right? Yeah, you know. The average cost for a wedding ring, including the band, which is all we get anyway. We get the band. We, a lot of times we ain't getting rocked out like that. The average cost of a ring for a groom, $468. Not even $500 at that PS5 cost. The rings that y'all sisters and queens are giving us averages to 500, which means they're probably less than that. Not even 500, 468 to be exact. In 2020, the average cost of a groom's wedding ring is between $389 and $547. Mm, no other in useful information. I was hoping like there was like some bullet points that, you know, kind of helped us out. It was all bad. Let me tell you, it was all bad. I'm not going to read it to you. So this brings up an interesting point. Y'all would scoff at a $500 wedding ring, but on average, that is all men are getting out of this deal. And it leads me to my point. Ladies, understand, these weddings aren't about us. The men have nothing to do with these weddings. The men have nothing to do with it. It's all about y'all. And I'm getting real tired of y'all acting like it is about us. Like it's about both of us, okay? Let's, let's call it what it is, all right? We know when we get married to y'all that it is all about y'all. Men do not sit and dream of their dream wedding. We might dream of our queen, the woman that we will marry, but we're not thinking about the details of the wedding. So I say this to say, stop trying to include us in the planning. Clearly this ain't for us. You got $6,000 on your hand. Plan it yourself. I don't want to hear, oh, what color should we use? Oh, what should we put on the tables? What should we feed people? Blah, blah, blah. I don't care about it. D don't ask. Because those numbers show that this ain't got nothing to do with us. After I get you that ring, all I should have to do is show up. Get me and my boys right. Get my groomsmen right. You know, get them their gifts. Get our suits ready. That's a, that should be it. That should be it. Especially if you're going to scoff at the fact of me not getting you a ring that's the correct price. It's outrageous. It's outlandish. Because to me, I thought love was enough. Queens, is love not enough? If your brother gives you a ring straight out the Cracker Jack box, are you going to say yes? Or are you going to look at the size of that ring and that cubic zirconian and be like, yeah, right. You going to throw the whole relationship away over a ring? At least Buddy wanted to commit. At least Buddy wanted to settle down with you. But you know what, Kings, bro? I'm all about y'all, man. I'm all about y'all pockets, man. I'm all about empowering y'all. All this means to me when I see things and hear things like this and look at these statistics makes me realize, brothers, don't let these queens rush you into marriage. Take your time. A lot of times we want to do the right thing. We want to be good by our ladies. So, you know, we rush. And maybe that's why the brother had to sell his PS5 brand new. Brother probably didn't even open out the box. But he wanted to commit to his lady so bad. He said, you know what? Times are hard. But I can't let this queen be unspoken for for much longer. Ooh, how romantic. Sounds romantic to me. But what happened? He was all kind of broken words. He was all kind of, you broke, you ain't shit. All because, now like I said, it is kind of wild to like sell a gift that somebody gave you to give them a gift with the money that they originally, like that's, a little while but brother at least you were being innovative and maybe you just thought she would never know and sometimes what they don't know won't hurt them 
So, brother, I am, I'm calling it what it is. I'm saying you was being romantic. I'm saying you was doing anything you can to get Shorty off the streets and claim her and show her to the world that she is your queen. Brother, I salute you, and I am sorry if your proposal didn't work out. If she said no, brother, let's let me know. Out of character, we feel you. We here for you, brother. We understand. Brothers, if you're listening, my young kings that are listening, take this as a lesson. Y'all get married when y'all feel like it. Y'all have children when y'all feel like it. Y'all settle down when y'all feel like it. Because we're up against tough scrutiny. And clearly the numbers are not in our favor. And all you have to look forward to, brothers, $500 ring. While you're multiple months of mortgage are coming out of your pocket to pay for this young lady's ring. And let me tell you guys. Please get your queens what they deserve. But I would like you to put them to a test. Just put them to a little test, right? Buy that expensive, super, super nice ring. I have that in the tuck, have it ready. But, but propose with a cheap ring. Just see what her reaction is, brother. See what she says. See how she responds. If she gives you the fake smile and still says yes and, you know, kind of like, you know, not too happy. Go ahead and slip out that bomb ring, bro. Show her what you really gave to it. Just tell her, you know what, man? I just wanted to see a reaction. That was the last. I wanted to see if you was really down for me, queen. She might get smacked. She might say no. But at least if it goes well, you'll know she all about you, kings. So why not? These women put us to test all the time. Why don't you try that out? Get two rings, man. See, now, if she scoffs at your ring, if she scoffs at the gift that you gave her, brother, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I hope that's a sign. I hope that's a sign that maybe you need to reevaluate things. Maybe she's not the one. It's not for me to tell you that, brother. It's for you to find out. But that's what the test is going to do for you, brother. So let me tell y'all, kids, I'm all about y'all saving money and being in the best positions to take care of y'all queens. So like I said, don't get married too early. Don't rush into these things if you are not financially equipped to handle your business. Now, with that being said, I'm here to help. I'm here to help y'all. I'm not here to just tell y'all things and just leave y'all to the wolves. I would never do that to y'all. That's not what I'm about, people. That's not what Out of Character is about. Out of Character is upliftment. Out of Character is about teaching the people. So I have a very, very special guest coming on to the show right now. Coming on to talk to you guys about financial literacy. Now, this brother is big time when it comes to finance. He works for a black firm, an all-black firm in Nebraska, which sounds crazy because I, I'm sure a lot of y'all don't think there's black folks in Nebraska, but I hope out of character has shown you there are a couple of black folks in Nebraska. And I've had the ability to meet these people. I've had the opportunity to meet these people. And this brother right here is not only my frat brother, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, the greatest fraternity on earth, but he's a mentor to me, and he's like a real big brother. Even before I was ever rocking blue and white way before i was ever a sigma he was there for me helping guide a very young wild kid but he was always there man leading the way and not only just verbally but just by example and i've gotten to see this brother also grow up through college and become a man become a father um, become a husband and do all of these great things and to me he, I'm, he's, he's still paving the way for me in my opinion man i'm still looking up to him now a lot of us come from families you know especially like my generation where they were just trying to put food on the table they were trying to survive and build some type of nest egg for their retirement and they're comfortable you know be comfortable 
they didn't have people to teach them about financial literacy. So a lot of times we didn't learn the finer points of financial literacy like maybe some other cultures would. So I think it's very, very important to bring this brother on to talk to you guys and just give you guys game because I could talk to you about, you know, buying homes. The, the little things I've done to build equity, equity and diversify my portfolio but there's still things i don't know so i'm gonna be asking these questions and learning with you guys so without further ado i want to bring on my brother my mentor my guy mike beth ladies and gentlemen i have a very very special guest with me my frat brother my big brother a mentor to me man brother sends me scriptures every day keeps me on my feet keeps me going shout out to my brother mike beth mike beth Hey, brother, I'm doing good, bro. I appreciate you for being here, man. It means the world to me that you, you know, you reached out to me to jump on this, man, and, and, and school our listeners and our viewers, brother. And man, it means the world to me, bro. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. We need this. We need this more than ever, man. So we're going to make this thing rock. Man, we really, really do. And before we get started, <laughs> because I've, you know, I've let the people know already that you're here to give financial tips to these young kings and queens. I'm big on saving Absolutely. money, brother. Some people might call me cheap. <laughs> before, before we get into that, <laughs> before we get into that, brother, I want you to give people your background. From your, from your mouth, I want you to say, you know, what you do, your background, and how you got here. Absolutely. So um, I came in the, the banking world. So I, I went and got my undergrad degree in finance, went back and got an undergrad degree in accounting, and then I went and got a master's in accounting. Um, Within my professional career, I have moved uh, all the way up through the ranks. I started off as a risk analyst. I was promoted to assistant controller within a matter of eight months. Um, that's not heard of when you're, when you're just now graduating uh, college. Literally, I graduated college. I was in my entry, as they call it, entry level position. I was in my entry level position for six months and then I was promoted to a manager position um, right, out of, right out of college. Um, so I, I did that for five years, became assistant controller. Uh, I worked my butt off of, again, when I got my master's and I became controller. Uh, if, you, if you think about how an organization is set up, you have your CEO, CFO, and then your controller. Uh, so I was a quote unquote third person in line. Uh, I did that for two years and I was also over our internal audit department. Uh, and then I was offered the opportunity to become the CFO. So as a CFO, again, as I just kind of laid out, you have your CEO, you have your CFO. So I was reporting directly to our CEO. Um, I became CFO of a credit union. I did that for about a year and a half. And then I was offered the opportunity uh, to come work in public accounts. Uh, I have always wanted to become a CPA. I was like, man, this is something I really wanted to do. Uh, but with that, uh, I worked for uh, one of the uh, first and only uh, Black-owned African-American public accounting firm. Yeah. Uh, we're the number 10 firm, number number 10 largest firm in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, we're the fourth largest uh, business uh, within our space in Omaha, Nebraska. And so uh, I, again, in this position, I work as a senior manager. So. Um, myself uh, as well as our director and then the two partners are the leadership and management of the firm again my uh, my goal is to become partner anybody that's in the uh, public accounting space knows that uh, that's ownership within the firm uh, so that is my next that's the next step for me is to become to have ownership if you will in the firm so uh, from that perspective i have uh, learned a lot when it comes to finance when it comes to accounting uh, i've been insider if you will in the trenches as they call it <laughs> uh, with learning how to balance books um, I've managed portfolios from a small, you know, small bank of 100 million all the way up to 1 billion. 
Uh, so I've seen a lot, I've done a lot, uh, and I hope to be able to share as much as I can uh, with the viewers, uh, and hopefully as well with, it, with, with my brother, uh, so we can be able to empower our, our kings and queens uh, in regards to financial literacy, because that's important. Uh, that is extremely important because the generational wealth gap that's taking place right now is out of this world. So my job is to be able to impart as much knowledge as I can on you all uh, to hopefully be able to dig into that gap that we currently got right now. And financial literacy is so important, man. And we're so grateful for somebody with a background in sticky stores <laughs> to be here spending time with us, talking to us, man. Now, real quick, how old are you? <laughs> I am, I'm 33. I just turned 33 last, You're last week. 33, <laughs> and you've already accomplished so much. My man said he was a CFO. Not only was yeah. he a CFO, but he left the job as a CFO and got a better job working for a black <laughs> firm, man. Now, I want to get into, you know, the topics that we want to discuss. I want to get into your advice. First thing, though, man, I, I want you to speak on not only working for a black firm, but being a black man in that business. Yo, so let me, let me, uh, and I'm grateful that you said this, um, because I, with the experience that I had in, in moving up in the ranks, uh, I was what they called the only one in the room. Um, so as I became assistant controller, as I became controller, as I became CFO, uh, I was the example, if you will, of uh, how to be able to conduct yourself. <laughs> and they would, they would look at me and be like, oh, so let's talk about the black folks. And I'll be, I'll be the quote unquote token black guy. Mm. And so uh, when you're in that space, not any individual in corporate America, they know that you have that code switch that you have to do. Uh, and it, it, it's never fun. And you know, being at ESPN, that that switch, <laughs> you got you got to turn on. Oh, yeah. Um, and so Oh, and so now being in a uh, black firm, I don't have to have the switch. I get to just be myself. I get to come in and be like, man, yo, we're having a messed up day. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Things is going bad. I mean, when, when George Floyd happened, we all sat down and like, yo, man, let's have some real conversations about this. You don't have to kind of tiptoe around things. You don't have to, you know, hold your breath or bite your tongue on certain things. You should just be able to be yourself. Uh, and I'm not gonna lie, man, that's a, that's a free feeling. It's beautiful to see a brother that not only has excelled so quickly, but it stayed grounded enough to be willing to teach others, man, to be willing to give others free game. You're not getting paid for this, bro. You <laughs> late for this, man. Yes. Bro, well, I appreciate you so much and thank you, bro, because that's a big deal, man. That's That sadly is rare. People yes. willing to give game for free, man. So what we thank That's you so much, brother. And financial literacy, man. Let's get into it. Cause I'm, let's do I'm it. big let's on saving money, it. man. I'm big on saving money. But let's I'll tell you, it. I feel like I am new to the financial literacy game. Like I just <laughs> invested in a property. I just started that stuff when I wish I would have started a very long time ago. And hopefully we got younger listeners that are tuned in right now. And maybe y'all can get some game on how the best way to save money. I feel like that's the hardest thing the for hardest anybody, thing. man. You get a check hardest and it's just gone. <laughs> it's a weekly check or a bi-weekly check. That is gone by the time you're getting your next check. Even if you're making big money, it's just, it's yes. so hard to save because it's easy to spend money when you got it. It's also Absolutely. easy to spend money when you don't have it these days, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So, brother, can you give us, for this very first segment, I hope, brother, you come on a lot, man, because this kind of stuff is so important. Absolutely. Can you kick us some game on saving, what's, what's good Absolutely. for these young kings and queens to say? For sure, and so what I like to do, and I'm, I'm glad you kind of teed it up this way, is I like to I like to call it making this simple, you know what I mean? I don't want people to feel like you gotta be, or like saving is some daunting thing, it's really not, just keep it, keep it simple. So what I mean by simple is first and foremost, remember you start small, 
So when I say start small, I mean something small as you're putting something away. So as I lead into putting something away, I say pay yourself first. So when I when I say pay yourself first, that means once you get $100, let's say you put 10% away. You're putting $10 away straight off the rip. No games, no nothing. As soon as that $100 come in your pocket, you're taking $10 and you're putting it in an account that you can't touch. Let me rephrase that. Let me say it again. You put, you take, uh, you make $100, you take $10 and you put it in an account that you can't touch. Why? Because you force yourself to say, you force yourself not to be able to touch it. You force yourself to say, yep, that's there. That's what we start by, small, and that's what we say pay yourself first. Those are the two most fundamental and foundational things that we tell anybody. The next piece is then going to be, and I know you all have heard this so many different times, a budget. We say that and people are like, man, I can't do no budget, man. As soon as I make money, I won't get the new J's. I want to go get this, I won't get that. Yeah, that's all good in there. But if you go back to the original premises, did you pay yourself first? If you ain't paid yourself first, I don't want to hear nothing about any Georges that you bought, any Gucci belt that you bought, any of that. I don't hear any of that because you have not done the premise, which is take and pay yourself first. So we call we what we and Dave Ramsey use this a lot. What we do, what we do is call the envelope. Uh, system. So with the envelope system, what you do is you take, so let's say you have uh, utility bills, you got rent, and then you got, let's say, uh, gas, okay? So in that, you know that, let's just, again, we're going to do round numbers here. Let's just say your rent is $1,000, again, in Omaha, that, that's, that's, you know, that, that's that's in par, you know, East Coast, that's like, bro, you about to be in a box. Yep. So I get it, I understand, <laughs> I understand the difference, I understand the difference, but let's say, okay, $1,000 for your rent, and then you got uh, your utilities, let's just say that's another $250, and then you got gas for the month, let's say that's going to be roughly around $250, $300, okay? So you're going to take all of that, and you're going to put it in individual envelopes. You're going to take $1,000, you're going to put that in, in the envelope and that's just going to be specifically for rent and then you're going to put the other you know the money for utilities you're going to put it in there and then you're going to put money in in for your gas for your gas and then you're going to have this quote-unquote envelope that's going to be for discretionary funding okay so after you pay all of your bills you have this one envelope or whatever is left in there you can only spend what's in that envelope for the rest of the month so if you take $250, that's all you got for the rest of the month. So when we talk about budgeting, that's quote unquote setting up a budget for you. Now you know you've allocated funds for your rent, you've allocated funds for your utilities, you allocated funds for your gas. Now you got discretionary spending, whatever's in, whatever is in that envelope, that's all you got. Remember, our premise was you paid yourself first already. So you already put money in your savings, you're good there. Whatever you got left in that envelope, that's all you got. It forces people to budget and to save. Now, you talked about a budget, right? But one thing yes. you left out in this budget is debt. People got student loan debt. Body talking sweet. Student loan debt is still there. I'm sure you understand it's going still, to credit. It's I'm still sure real. You get it. So my follow-up question is, yes. how do people manage that debt while still saving? Absolutely. Is possible? Because some people, I feel like they think, man, I I spend more than I actually am making in, which a lot of times there's ways around that. Can you, can you talk to that? Absolutely, it, it is. And so we, the, again, if you were to look at any financial advisor, they'll tell you, oh, we'll go make more money so you can be able to pay all these things and all that stuff. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit there and give you that bitch. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's real life. It really is. Like, I'm gonna keep it real with you. It's real life. Okay. Luckily, the government has given some extensions, if you will, on, um, on, on debt or excuse me, on student loan payments right now. So people don't have to pay their student loan payments right now. That's a blessing. If you got, if you're getting that extra money, and you, you're taking it and saving it. Good job for you. If you've been blowing it, you got a problem. 
but now let's get back to the task at hand, okay? So when, I, when we talk about managing debt, okay, we've already off the top took some money. Again, even if it's just $10, you're putting that away, okay? Just $10, $10, just put that away. All right, and then when we, when we talk about managing debt, we call it the snowball effect. So what the snowball effect means is that you take your whatever debt you have, you take it and you try to quote unquote snowball. So if you start off with, let's say you got a thousand dollar credit card, you got a five thousand dollar student loan debt. Okay. If if you know that you got a thousand dollars, you can be able to quote unquote pay that off faster. Pay that thousand dollars off. So let's say you're paying a hundred dollars a month. You pay that thousand dollars off, a hundred dollars a month. You get that done. Now you have an additional hundred dollars. Remember, because you was allocating that to that credit card. That's no longer there anymore. You paid that off. You take that extra hundred dollars and add that to what you was already paying on your student loans. And you mm. snowball. So then you pay it faster. Again, that's how you do it. You you literally take any additional money outside of the savings. Make sure you save. I say that all the time. You can save $5. Don't give me that you can't save $5. You can save $5, okay? Put five, 10, whatever you need to put, put it away and then snowball your debt. So just pay, whenever you pay one off, take that extra money that you was paying on that debt. Don't go start buying other stuff because you got a hundred extra dollars now. No, take it and start putting it toward those student loans and pay them off, pay them off, pay them off, pay them off. That's what you do. And I think the issue for a lot of people is that when they think about paying off their debt, they're like, I have to do it now. I have to do it now. There's there's all these fees. There's you know my, my interest rate is high and people think that it's going to be a quick fix. And honestly, you could hurt yourself if you're trying to make it a quick fix. You can end up in more debt in the long run. Exactly. Talk on how how important patience is when it comes to this money game. Absolutely. And I remember, if you all remember how I started this conversation, start small. Small means patience. Take your time. Listen, this is a long, we always say we're playing the long game. We're not playing the short game because what happens if you play the short game, you end up effing yourself in the end and then you mess yourself. Don't do that. Take your time, okay, and pay it slowly as, as, as you can because oftentimes people are trying to rush so much and they put themselves in a situation where now they're strapped and they don't have anything and then a big bill comes or an unexpected expense comes and now they're sitting there like, oh my God, and they're in trouble. Then what happens is they go use a credit card to try to pay it off. They go try to, you know, get some extra money from a friend. They borrow money, then they in, they in more debt. Like, to, again, take your time. Listen, patience is a virtue. And I know that's hard in this world that we live in where it's an instant gratification. People got FOMO. <laughs> people people want to live this life that, that, that Instagram and social media is showing you. Man, I'm telling you, bro. It, it, listen, don't don't buy into that. I'm telling you, if you play the long game, I promise you, if you play the long game and you put some money aside, what they what this beautiful word is, and all finance professionals will tell you, is called time value of money. Okay, it takes time. Compound interest is a beautiful thing. So if you allow your money to actually just sit there and compound interest, it will grow on its own. If you just be patient, just be patient, please, please and patience patience is key and like you said brother this is a long game and because it's a long game brother i hope we can have you on the show a bunch more man i don't want you to have to get too much game right away like you said it's a slow grind brother and we want people to continue to listen to what you got to say man thank you so much for this lesson in financial literacy brother you a true king I truly appreciate you. And if you if you will if you wouldn't mind, let me get one minute. Uh, so I do this, and I, I didn't share all this, but I actually am a professor, and I teach at a, a a community college, and I teach accounting. And so what I do with all of my students, I call it Professor Bell's Positive Minute. Uh, we have so much negativity going on. I make sure that I take a minute and I give a positive 
quote and then a positive action for you to do. So if you would, my brother, would you allow me a minute to be able to do that? You got that minute, brother. You take it as All long right. as you need. Professor Bass, positive minute. Here we go. In your calm is your strength. One of the best lessons you can learn in life is to master how to remain calm. When faced with tough decisions, breathe, step back, think, then react. I will say that again. One of the best lessons you can learn in life is to master how to remain calm. When faced with tough situations, breathe, my people. Stop, step back, think, then you react. Do work. Ah, and we all breathe with you, my brother. That was beautiful, man. Thank you so much for that. Professor Bev on the line. Thank you so much, brother, for jumping on with us, man. We can't wait to hear more from you. God bless you, brother. Stay safe out in the Nebraska streets. COVID is still a real thing, my brother. So stay Absolutely. safe, man. Hope your family stays safe, brother. Nothing but love and respect for you, my brother. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my frat brother, my big brother, my mentor, Mike Bev, man. I hope y'all listened. I hope y'all tuned in, man. He gave y'all some great game. And like I said, I'm learning with you guys, man. I'm learning about making my money stress, saving, building for the future. I am a father. I have a young son. And I want to leave him with more than what I had growing up. You know, I want to build because my parents worked so hard. I feel like I owe it to him to work even harder and give him even more opportunities than my parents allowed me to have, which is a lot. My parents did a lot to make sure I was good, make sure my sister was good. And we ended up successful from that. So we want to pay that forward. We want to teach y'all things like that. And we want you guys to let your money stretch, brother, because kings, we need this money in our pockets, man. It's cuffing season. It's cuffing season. You need the money in your pockets, brother. So listen in. We're going to have this brother on. He's going to give you all a lot of game. And like he said, it's a process, y'all. So don't feel... Don't feel that anxiety, man. Don't feel stressed out when them bills and that debt is building because there is ways to get up out of that and also ways to save money in the process, man, which is really dope. Shout out to Mike Bev. This is the Out of Character Podcast, episode four. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC, too, if you're listening. We appreciate you for listening and joining us, man. It's been a fun show, but... Let's talk about some more stuff. There's more stuff going on. There's more things I want to talk to you about. And last night, today is Thursday. Well, actually, it's Friday morning right now. The other night was the NBA draft. And for those of y'all that don't know, I used to work at ESPN, and I had a part in a lot of the NBA drafts in the past few years. So I, I know the type of work it takes to do it, um, especially during COVID times like this. So first of all, shout out to everybody at ESPN working on the NBA draft. Y'all did y'all think y'all killed it everybody social tv y'all did y'all thing and covered that wonderfully man and to me the draft is always something that's so important nfl and nba because you're really seeing people's dreams come true you're seeing the manifestations the hard work the blood sweat and tears literally pay off in that moment and especially us creators we're all dreamers we all have dreams we all work hard and have a goal that we're trying to obtain and so to see these young fellas man these 19 20 year olds achieve their dreams and not only that but achieve it with their family around them back in the day i feel like we saw a lot of just like moms with the athletes right we saw moms oh thank you mom shout out to my mom but now every athlete you're seeing their fathers there man and these black fathers it's awesome man it's so cool to see the change in our culture because now it's it's, it's not cool to be a not shit dad you got to be there for your child and 
I just love to see it because I love to see brothers being there. We're breaking the stereotypes. We're breaking the stigma. And, man, the NBA draft is just such a great event. Brothers is crying. Brothers is feeling good. And it's just so much good positive energy. And we need it. We need it, man. These brothers went through a lot. Their college season was cut short during COVID. They weren't able to do some of the things that they were supposed to do, working out for these teams and getting a chance. So this, these brothers, some of these brothers didn't even know if they were going to get drafted. So this was a very big deal. It was awesome to see. And... Man, I, I think it was a, a really interesting draft. Now, last time we spoke, I told you guys I felt that LaMelo Ball was going to go number one. I felt that he was the most talented player in his draft, and I still do think he is the most talented player in his draft, but he did not go number one. LaMelo fell down to number three, which isn't really falling, but to a player of his caliber, I just can't believe they left him on the table. I told you all, I think that teams will regret leaving him on the table. But the guy that went number one, went to Minnesota, went to the Timberwolves, that boy Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Now, first, let me say, as good as I think Lomelo is, Edwards is right up there too, man. This boy can ball. He has athleticism. He can he can run the point. He can run the two. He can just do something. He honestly played a three. He plays great defense. He's so athletic. His vertical leap is incredible. And this brother is he's number one. He's the number one pick for a reason. Like it's by no means did Minnesota necessarily get this wrong. But the question for me is fit when I look at Edwards, right? You already have a team with D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Culver. Jared Culver was your fifth pick last year. Kind of very similar builds in games where Jared Culver, less talented, but had that athleticism, had that defensive ability, was, was dunking on people, and we didn't really see it materialize in his rookie year, which a lot of times you don't with these young players. But, I mean, there are players in that backcourt that – you know, they, they can ball. And I, I do believe that Edwards is better. I don't think he's better than D'Lo just yet. D'Lo has constantly improved, and I can't wait to see what he's going to be. But the question is, does Edwards come into Minnesota and make them a contender? Not just a playoff team, but a true contender. The reason I ask this is because I feel that Minnesota does have a clock. I do feel that Minnesota, the time is ticking because their star, Carl Anthony Towns, wants to win games. Very similar to how it's going in Phoenix. Devin Booker, it's time to get him wins. These guys are getting into their primes. These are young guys. These are guys are playing, and they're ready to play for a championship. And they've also done extensions with the team to show their loyalty. But when a player does that, he expects the team to put him in the best position to be successful. And you saw that last year. You saw the way Minnesota went after D'Angelo Russell. I think D'Angelo Russell's an incredible player. I love him. He's an ex-Laker. I was sad to see him go, even though I think it was necessary. They brought D'Angelo in because that's Carl Anthony Towns' boy. Not necessarily so much his skill. From what I looked at, it was like, yo, let's do whatever we can to keep Carl Anthony Towns happy. I think we can all agree that's Minnesota's MO right now. Keeping Carl, Ta Carl Anthony Towns happy so you don't get a trade request. Just like I said, just like Devin Booker, you got to keep these guys happy and show that you're dedicated to a winning culture. These guys have been winners their whole lives. So to be on these teams where they're constantly losing, they're constantly not in the playoffs, they don't get to make it to the bubble, it takes a toll on these athletes because, you know, they're alpha males. With the addition of Edwards, right? And honestly, I think it could be said for all of the draft picks. That forces Carl Anthony Towns to be your best player. I love Cat. I think he's very talented. I don't know if you can win a championship, especially in the West, with him being your best player. Does Edwards have a ton of potential? Does D'Angelo have a ton of potential? Yes. Do they have enough potential to become the number one option in Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns there? I don't know. I'm not completely sure. And clearly Minnesota is set on making him that guy. So the question remains is that 
what changes with adding Edwards? Yes, I do think you guys get better. Yes, he he's another weapon. He's somebody. D'Angelo could play off the ball on the ball. I think they'll play very well together. But the question remains, what happens? How many years does it take Edwards to reach the potential? Can they do it now? Are they going to be able to add players that are going to be able to help them win now? I don't know. I believe off the top of my head, I think Carlton Towns has three more years on his contract left. He can pay big money. Is Edwards the guy that's going to get them to that championship game in three years? I just don't think so. And yeah, I know it's not always about championships, but that's what these guys are in for. They're not just trying to make playoff games. They're trying to win the, the trophy, man. These, Like I said, these guys are winners. And the West is crazy right now. The West is crazy. Outside of L.A., you still got Golden State. They're coming back. They're going to try to do something. You got Phoenix adding Chris Paul, which you saw what he did with OKC, so you can assume that Phoenix is going to be a playoff team because they were a better put-together team than OKC was when Chris Paul got there. Yeah, Houston's falling apart, but you have the Pelicans coming up. You got the Jazz. You got the Nuggets now with Jamal Murray. If Jamal Murray comes out as Bubble Murray, that's going to be a problem. You have this Western Conference is going to be locked and loaded. And now you have a playing game. So it, you got to ask yourself, what does Minnesota fall into that? Where are they going to fit in? Are they better than the Nuggets? No, I don't think so. Are they better than the Jazz? I don't think so. I don't even know if they're better than Phoenix. And we haven't talked about Portland yet either. There are so many teams in the West. So the question is, did the did the Minnesota Timberwolves do what they needed to do and secure Carl Anthony Towns for the long run? Do they know, do they have that peace of mind to tell them, is Carl Anthony Towns going to leave? Do they have that peace of mind telling them that Carl Anthony Towns is going to stay? I don't think they do. I think they're still going to be looking to make moves, man. I think they're still going to be hoping that Edwards can be a transcendent talent. Um definitely has the potential but i don't think we've seen anything that's going to tell us that he's going to get timberwolves over that hump because that hump is huge man the western conference is as competitive as it's been in a very long time it's probably the early 2000s when we were seeing the portland the portland trailblazers the kings the suns all these guys constantly competing whether they were first seed or eighth seed they every series was a battle and i think that we're seeing that a lot in the west um especially now with lebron and ad being the kings of the west a lot of teams are building up, they're stacking up, they're trying to get ready to beat LeBron and AD because that's a tough matchup. Shout out to the Lakers, baby. Shout out to the champions. So with that being said, I, I, I like the pick because he's a good player, but I do think they could have put themselves in a better position by trading the pick. I do think there was teams that were willing to offer a player that could be that 1A or 1B with Carl Anthony Towns, and they didn't do it, man. They took a gamble. I hope it works out, man. I love Edwards' game. I love his demeanor. I love how cool he is. He was chilling, man. He was poised, um, and I wish him nothing but success because that's such a big deal, man, and Minnesota needs a star, man. They need another guy that, you know, can can handle them buckets, get them buckets, make D'Angelo's life easier, and make Carl Anthony Towns' life easier. So I'll be very interested to see how that works out. Now, let's talk about winners of the draft. Like I said, I love the draft. I'm, I'm a huge NBA guy, huge NFL guy, and it was actually really cool to watch the draft and not, like, be invested in it. Because the Lakers have not been that good for the past few years, man. So we actually were drafted in the first round. We were doing these things. Of course, the Lakers traded their first-round pick to get Dennis Schroeder. I can't wait to talk to you guys about that. I'm very excited about it. I love his game. Um, but on to this draft, man. First winner I have, James Wiseman. My man went number two to the Golden State Warriors. Now, this Golden State Warriors team is only a lottery team because of injuries. This is a championship team. This is a Golden State team before last season was on a seven-year playoff run. Seven years. And out of that, I think they got three three championships. So this team is, is, is ready to win. This is a team that knows how to win. This is a winning culture. And you're getting maybe the most skilled player in the draft on this team. 
Now, if you look at the Warriors' history within those seven those seven years when they were in the playoffs, Steph made very mediocre bigs look good. Steph is such a great shooter and such a great scorer that I think a lot of people take for granted his playmaking and how great he runs that system, that Golden State Warriors system. And if we look at some of the players, we have Andrew Bogut revitalized his career in Golden State with Steph. JaVale McGee saved his career. David West was in there playing center and power forward. So imagine when you have a center that some people could consider a franchise big. Somebody that is athletic. Somebody that can stretch the floor. You know how important it is to stretch the floor in Golden State. You got a guy that can do everything under the sun. He can play defense. He can get rebounds. He can do all of the dirty things because I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they're going to have to be forced to move Draymond or something like that because they have Pascal. And for those of y'all that don't know, Klay Thompson has an injury. I believe he tore his Achilles. Not coming back this season. We pray for him. Klay Thompson, brother, man, I love your game. You play the game so well and it's so pure and it's so fluid. And I love watching what you do, brother. Wish you a speedy recovery. But with that being said, Wiseman is going to be asked to do a little more than what previously expected. You know, he's going to have to be a little more than a role player. But I think that that's perfect for him. I think he's up to the task. I think he has been put in the best position possible going to Golden State. And so shout out to him. I definitely think he's a winner. I think Golden State's a winner by getting him. I think he's going to fit perfectly there. I think he's exactly what the franchise needs moving on in the future. Now, my next my next winner, and y'all could have guessed this coming, are the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets got, in my opinion, the best overall player in the draft in LaMelo Ball. Man, LaMelo Ball in Charlotte. That's crazy to think about, but I think it's a really, really good thing for LaMelo. One, like I said, LaMelo is the best player. We've seen it. My man played professional ball and balled out. My man can shoot. He can play make. I I think we haven't seen him play defense because I don't think he felt like he had to. But seeing what Lonzo can do, I truly believe that if LaMelo walks in, he's going to be an elite defender just like his brother. He has the size. He's actually bigger than Lonzo and honestly more athletic than Lonzo too. My man is very athletic, can jump. Is fast, is long, knows how to use his body, is very strong, um, and doesn't look it. Like, my man still looks a little frail, but I promise you, he knows how to handle himself in the paint and outside the paint around the perimeter. So you look at this guy going into Charlotte, very similar to what I looked at Trey Young going into Atlanta or John Morant going into Memphis. You're playing for franchises that don't have that same win-now urgency that the Lakers have that the Celtics usually have, that the Knicks for some reason feel like they need to have, even though they never win anything. He going into, he's going into an organization that really hasn't been successful in forever. We saw Kemba just waste a lot of years there and wasn't really able to get much done. Not Kemba's fault, but just the organization kind of failing to put the right pieces around him and build a successful team. With that being said, I feel like LaMelo needed a place like this. He needed a place that wasn't going to have the pressures of an L.A., man. I, I don't want to say this because I, I, I think it was a little tough because of the situation, but it did feel as if Lonzo folded under the pressure of being in L.A., being at home, especially with his dad being right there. I mean, sometimes you would see LeVar at the games and Lonzo would just be a shell of himself. Like, he would be nervous. I don't know what was going on, but it just didn't seem like things were clicking. And, of course, Lonzo ended up in New Orleans. I don't think... LaMelo's going to have those type of problems in Charlotte. One, you have somebody that hopefully can be your mentor in Michael Jordan, somebody that could teach you what winning basketball is and also how to take care of your body, how to last 
um, how to just maneuver because he's a big name. LaMelo is as huge a name as it gets coming out of college, just like Jordan was. Like, there's a lot of scrutiny. There's going to be a lot of eyes on him. I just don't see the pressure being on him as if he was, like, in a New York where, like, they're just so desperate for wins. I think Charlotte is going to be patient with him. I think Charlotte's going to give him a chance to just do his thing. And the roster's not that good on Charlotte. So LaMelo is going to get the touches to be able to just play basketball, much like Trey Young was doing for Atlanta. And now Atlanta looks like, yo, they a few pieces away from competing. And I do think LaMelo can get Charlotte to that point. I think LaMelo is a transcendent talent. I think he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he's capable of. And I do think not playing in college is going to benefit LaMelo Ball greatly. Lastly, my winners of yesterday's draft. And honestly, just the free agency so far. Believe it or not, because I don't like giving them any credit. I feel the Sixers are winners. Just for the fact, and really had nothing to do with the draft. I do think they had a great draft. Just for the fact that they were able to move Horford's terrible contract. Why Philly gave Horford all this money when he was already like a shell of himself in Boston? I have no idea. But I know for a fact how hard it is to move bad contracts. We had Luau Dang and Mozgov under contract, and we had to give up a lot to get them out of here. But it makes sense when you're trying to make other moves. And I do feel that Philly is trying to bring in somebody. They're, they're clearing out cash space, man. They're getting these guys on these one-year deals. And I, I do truly feel that we're going to see some movement, man. I do think Philly has a lot going on. But being able to get rid of that Horford contract, Huge. You also moved Josh Richardson contract. He wasn't making that much, but he still was, I think, under the books for like 18 mil. You got him out of there and brought in a better shooter in Seth Curry. Seth Curry, say what you want about him, that boy can ball, man. And we've seen him contribute on playoff teams. We've seen him contribute on Dallas. We've seen him contribute on Portland. So we know this guy can play. We know this guy actually has playoff pedigree. And, I mean, you know, he's a Curry, man. My boy knows how to hoop, and he goes out there and he gives it his best. I think he's going to be perfect for Philly. Um, and I can't wait to see what else they do because they're another team much like Minnesota is that they're in win now mode, man. Like they have guys that are in their prime, guys that are very talented, and guys that I feel could really, really shine in bigger markets. And I think the clock's running for Philly too, man. So I hope they are able to make these moves because I really do truly love the Embiid Ben Simmons combo. And I would hate to see that get dismantled and see these guys go other places because I do think Philly deserves a winning culture, man. We haven't seen it in a long time. And I mean, they've been a playoff team, but not one that anybody really believes in. You know, they've been very frustrating. So, Shout out to Philly. I think you guys are winners. Y'all are my last winners. I like doing things in threes, so I'm going to keep it in threes like that. Now, I'm not going to say losers because I, I personally think nobody loses when it comes to drafts. Man. I know that sounds corny. I know that sounds cliche, but I personally think everybody's a winner in this because, like, at the end of the day, man, we all about positivity on out of character, man. And there's nothing more positive than seeing young kings accomplish their dreams. But I... I am going to kind of name, I don't want to call her a loser, but somebody that just probably should have read the room, had a little more awareness. And for those of y'all don't see that, that haven't seen or maybe didn't watch the draft, there's this picture going around of a player. I'm not going to say his name because that's not important. But and for those of y'all watching, hopefully I'll put it up for you guys. There was a player, multicultural, mom's white, dad's black. And they showed, like they always do, they showed a live shot of him getting drafted. And his mother... He's a white woman who seemed very nice, man. Awesome. Like I said, I love seeing the family so happy. She was in a full, like, dashiki, full kente cloth garment. Like, wild. Now, of course, we want, you know, everybody to be equal, people to be accepted. And it's awesome that she cares enough about her husband's culture to wear that and represent it. But I just don't think she thought about 
the internet, man. Like, I feel like you got to be very careful on the internet, especially when you got a young athlete, a young rookie, because these guys go through it. I guarantee you that picture of her screaming in her kente cloth is going to be all over his locker when he starts training Cap. It's not a big deal, but it's just so funny to see something like that because you always see the girlfriends, right? You see the wild girlfriends, the white girlfriends that be so happy that they man made it because that's they meal ticket, boy. They about to get paid. So it was hilarious to see a mother in that light and people screenshot and laughing. It's all in good fun. You know, nobody ever wants to talk about family like that. But I just thought that was so funny. If you haven't seen it, go on at OOC underscore TV. We have the picture on there with a funny little meme. Just having a good time, man. Like I said, we're all about positivity. We're all about laughs. And don't be sensitive, man. You can't be sensitive if you're following us on our character. That's not what we've ever been about. We're about laughs. And you know, from coming from a good place. They're never coming from a negative place. They're never coming from an evil place. And like I said, shout out to everybody from the NBA draft, man. That shit was so cool to see. ESPN, y'all did a great job putting that together. Malika Andrews, you are amazing. Shout out to you, Queen, for being a young black sister, handling your business in front of that green screen. It is not easy to do. I know it's not. So shout out to you. Shout out to everybody at ESPN. Y'all killed it, man. I got a lot of friends over there. Now, before I get off on the NBA, Topic. I gotta talk my shit. You see, you see the Lakers getting. For those of y'all listening, let me tell you, I got on my championship shirt and this fly boy. Got the Lakers in big letters. Got faces of every single champion because, yes, they're all champions in LA. And let me tell you guys, I love my team. And I think we on the run to our next championship, boy. We making moves. And I still think there's more to come. For those of y'all that don't know, we were able to get rid of Danny Green. We were set to make like 18 million this coming year. We were able to move him and receive Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder, I don't know if it's Schroeder or Schroeder, but brother, I'm gonna butcher your name. But let me tell you, brother, I respect you and I love you and welcome to Hollywood, brother. I hope you're ready for the championship ride we're about to go on because it's gonna be fun and I think you're equipped and ready for it. Dennis Schroeder is a hooper, man. I really think that LA, even, even when the Kobe years, man, we yearned for a point guard that can, that can really play and ball. I mean, you saw we went for D'Angelo, we went for Lonzo, it didn't work out. Schroeder, I think, is going to be a different monster because he's not coming in being expected to be a star. He's going to be expected to be a star in his role, and I think he's always been good at that. And this is a young guy. This guy's 27, just like AD. So this is somebody that can continue to develop, and I think we'll learn a ton from playing with a guy like LeBron James. And we saw how important it was to get the ball out of LeBron James's hands sometimes. When he's not on the court, L.A. was in desperate need of a playmaker when they didn't have Rondo playing. And we saw what Rondo was able to do. Rondo's playoff Rondo's the man. He's the man. I'm not going to hate on that. But Rondo's older. Now we have a guy in Schroeder that can really, really hoop and develop and become somebody that is is maybe a lifetime Laker along with AD. I pray that AD's a Laker uh, forever. I don't ever want to see AD leave, even though he hasn't resigned yet. But I think having Schroeder puts us in a good position to definitely get AD back. I know AD want to get that cash out, and I know he's going to stay for at least as long as LeBron's there. So we look at this, right? We look at this team and the way it's built because there's a lot of people that were on one-year contracts. We're still waiting on Dwight. We're still waiting on JaVale. So getting a guy like Schroeder, especially for his price tag, is not that high. Get somebody like him, I think it answers a, a really big thing for us. I, I do believe reports are saying that Rondo's going to go get paid, as he should. Um, I really hope that our bigs don't do that, though. I really hope that – I know Dwight wants to get paid. He said that as well. But I do think Dwight should just end his career in L.A., man. You're in a winning culture. You can go get paid somewhere else, bro, but you've done all of this to rebuild your career and rebuild – your fan base, man, and you did a great job, and you could really be a huge piece for us, especially because we'd bring you in knowing that you're the starting center. You kind of 
barely made the team last time. Like, you had a trial for us and everything, and we had Cousins, we had JaVale. You was coming off the bench. I think you proved that you could be a starter for us and be a franchise cornerstone for us, like a guy that ends his career with us and that the fans rally around and love. I hope he makes the right decision. I think the right decision is to forego the money and win another championship with LA but I, I can't tell brothers you know not to get that bag if the bag's there go get that shit you deserved it you earned it bro like you showed you were still a dominant big man and I was super happy to see him play well especially in LA after everything that LA has been through and everything he went through in LA same with JaVel JaVel bro you got a place where you're good Nick we trust you to be our starter we have had you as our starter even when we had cousins in Dwight we trust you, bro, and I think you trust L.A., man. You belong there, man. You have the personality for it. Bron loves you. A.D. loves you. And it's clear we had an advantage having your size out there when we needed you because A.D. was able to play the four and play a more comfortable position. A.D. loves being a perimeter. A.D. loves being a perimeter. And even though we do end with small ball, I think having that center to start the games for us is huge, especially with Vogel's rotations, which I think Vogel has done a great job with the rotations. So I can't wait to see what else we do, man. I hope we're able to bring some of these guys back. Avery Bradley has opted out. KCP has opted out. Rightfully so. You get a championship, you got that ring. Now it's time to go get that bag. It's time to go get that money. I understand. So I can't wait to see what LA does. They still have Kuzma's. They have the Kuzma's rights. I can't wait to see what they do with Kuzma too, man, because I do think he's out the door. I do think they're going to try to get something for him. I don't know what's still on the table now that we have Shooter's contract. I don't know if a DeMar DeRozan trade can happen. Um, but I can't wait to see, man. The Lakers, I think, got to make some moves because we saw a lot of teams get better these past few days. Shout out to the NBA. It's so exciting, man. I, I love talking to you guys about the NBA. I can't wait to bring other guests on and get their takes on NBA because I love arguing about basketball. And as y'all know, I'm a diehard Laker fan, so I'm going to argue with the best of them. This is the Out of Character Podcast. This is episode four. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. And, man, we almost done. We almost done. This has been a fun ride. We've had a fun show. We learned something. We learned a lot. I gave you some game. Mike Bev gave you some game. Now you're going to be able to keep more money in your pockets, fellas, and queens, too. Some of that game was for y'all, too. But before we end the show, you know what we got to do. It's your favorite segment. It's my boy, Meeksiana, a.k.a. Meeksipoo, a.k.a. Something Strange for a Little Piece of James. It's his segment. Y'all love it, man. Y'all love it so much, we're just going to keep it going. He's going to be here every week for you guys. We're not recording next week because it's Thanksgiving. We're going to take the time off. It's family time. But before that, before this episode closes, we got another one for you. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you Meeks on the Streets. Meeks, 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 Meeks. She belongs to the streets. I'm from the streets, bitch. Meeks in the streets. I love the game. I love the hustle, man. Yo, man, it's your boy, Sexy Santiago. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With another famous story. So, you know what I'm saying? Got a homie who was, uh, you know, as some would say, is quite uh, beguiling with the ladies, you know, as they would say. You know, quite the ladies' man, the charmer, you know, um, was out on the town with a, with a young lady driving the streets, got pulled over. Now, on a normal date, this is no big deal. You know, you hand off to your license registration, your license, all this good shit. 
You sweet talk him and you let him go on about your day. Two things. First thing, brother didn't have his license. Second thing, this is his girl car. Now, mind you, I said his girl car, but he on a date. Clearly, he ain't with his girl. So, what you think happened? The people had to call the owner of the car. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, Shardy had to pull up to see her car with her mans, who she thought was her mans, with another girl. And I don't know about you, but that's that's a recipe for a disaster right there. That's 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 dangerous. But it happened. Now, um, are they together still today? Honestly, no one in this particular incident is still together. No one is talking to each other after that. That's a rough night. That is definitely a rough evening. That is a rough afternoon. But uh, but man, shit. I would love to have seen Shawty in that particular situation, cause God damn. Do you man. know what she did? Man, no, she, 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 I don't know what she did, honestly, cause homie didn't tell me what, what happened after. Ooh, that means you know, he's ugly. He, he left that part out. You know, everybody gotta keep their dignity. Everybody wanna keep their pride. And as a man, I respect it. Cause I don't wanna know. I mean, I do wanna know, but I don't wanna know. Cause I'm a little, I like the hot guys. I definitely <laughs> like the hot guys. But I don't want to know because, man, I don't want to know. Because she probably fucked you up. That's exactly what probably happened. So, but yeah, man. Meeks on the streets. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was Meeks on the streets with another amazing story, guys. I tell you, I have no idea whatever, what he's going to say when he comes in. But man, it is. Y'all don't always see me on the screen, but let me tell you, I'm in the background cracking up. Shout out to my boy James Meeks. He kills these, man. He's so funny, man. I'm so glad that he's a part of this show. Cause that's all, you know, we really be wanting to do, man, is, is, is make stuff with our friends. Make dope shit with your homies, man. I think all creatives feel that way. Um, at least I hope you do, man, because it's, it's, it's not fun doing things alone, you know? Um, sometimes it's necessary, but when you're able to bring in your peoples, man, especially people that are passionate about what you're working on and want to support, but also want to, you know, try new things. I think it's awesome to that I'm able to give people, you know, that platform, man. It means the world to me that people even want to be on the show. So shout out to Meeks. Shout out to everybody that's been on the show for the, these past four episodes. Shout out to Mike Bed for giving us game, man, giving us financial literacy game, and that is so huge. I think it's so important. I can't wait to hear what he talks about next. And, and, and guys, we're wrapping up. Show, show about done, man. But before I let you guys go, like I said, next week is Thanksgiving. We will not do an episode next week. Episode 5 will wait till December. I'm going to be with my family. I'm going to be with my son. So I want to give them all my time. And I'm super excited to spend time with them. And I'm thankful. And as, as corny as it is and as cliche as it is, because we can get into my thoughts on the actual holiday of Thanksgiving. But with everything going on right now in 2020, I think there's no better time than to give thanks. And I think... When things seem bad, when things are tough, things aren't going right for you, maybe you lost your job, maybe you don't feel very blessed, I think it's easy to not be thankful. It's easy to forget to give thanks during traumatic times, during hard times, and I want you all to know that I feel those are the times when I think we need to be the most grateful. Because not only can things be worse, 
but we have to be able to show grace even through tragedy. So even though there's a lot of ugly things still going on in this world, I want to take the time to just talk about a few things that I'm thankful for. I say it all the time, but first and foremost, I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for the listeners. I'm thankful for the viewers. I'm thankful for everybody that's allowed out of character to be what it is. I would not be able to do cool shit like this with my friends and with you all without the regular support. Doing this podcast, being on camera, being on the mic, it's always been a dream of mine. It's something that I feel like is a call. It's something that I feel like I don't even have a choice into doing. This is what I was put here to do. So the fact that y'all allow me to do this, man, let me tell you, it means the world to me. It means the world to me, and I'm thankful for it because tomorrow isn't promised. That's a big thing, and tomorrow isn't promised. So the fact that I know I can say I've been able to do the things I love to do up until this point in my life, it means the world to me, and I'm very thankful for that. Another thing I'm very thankful for is my family, man. I am so lucky to have my mother, my father, they've been together for over 30 years. Um, I have a sister who has an amazing husband. My brother-in-law is a phenomenal human being. I never have to worry about my sister because I know he is the man that God put on this earth to take care of my sister. And my sister can take care of herself. She's a strong black woman. Don't let me get you wrong. But as a brother, it's nice to know that she got somebody in her corner that's going to help her win, man. It's going to help her succeed. So shout out to my family. Very thankful for that, especially my son, my little man. And talking about you means the world to me too because I hope one day when you're older, when you're my age, you this stuff still exists where you can see who your dad was, who I was, and also know how much I love you, bro. I love you so much, man. The minute you came into my life, bro, my life changed, man. I've turned into the man that I always wanted to be. And I'm still growing. I'm still becoming a better person. But I've evolved so much because of you, little homie. So let me tell you, man, if you're watching this, I don't know how old you are when you're going to be watching this, but man, I love you, brother. I can't wait for me and you to continue to build together as father and son. Everything I work for, everything I create, everything I do, my man is for you because I love you, son, because I recognize your greatness already, little dude. And I know you are going to be the greatest culprit that ever lived, man. So my last shout out and thank you is to you, my brother, my son, the love of my life, my legacy, man. I, I couldn't ask for a better kid, bro. So you're awesome. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to spend Thanksgiving with you. And we gonna grow up, bro. You know how we do. You know how we give it up. We gonna eat, we gonna play, we gonna hoop, and we gonna watch some football. So we gonna have a good old time. Now, last, last, last thing. At the end, I always, even though I, I wanted to give my thanks, I also too like to shout out black businesses, black creatives, black people that inspire me, black people that I think can inspire you. So for this episode, for episode four, I wanna shout out Open Gym. I've heard me mention it in the last episode, but what Open Gym is, is something that one of my close friends created. It's a show that understands the importance of not only the culture, but sports and the importance of sports within culture. So it's the intersection of sports and culture. The show is awesome, man. It's ran by some great people. It's it's a revolving board of hosts and analysts that come on and just talk about sports and just everything, man. So you got me, you heard me get a little into sports, but that show is all sports and all culture, man. It's awesome, and it's some great brothers. So please follow at OG Sports Culture on Twitter, on Instagram. Subscribe on YouTube, man. Their shows are great. It's great discussions between some great brothers with some really, really great insight. And they're all from different backgrounds, man. So it's really cool to hear that type of insight. And it's a black business. He is a black director. He is a black producer. I'm not going to say his name because he's shy and he doesn't want his name out there, which I understand. What a humble brother, right? What a humble brother. But go support 
at OG Sports, man. At Open Gym, they're amazing. They do great stuff, man. I was a part of it. It actually was one of the first shows as a part of the Out of Character Network where I wasn't necessarily as involved as much on camera as much as just helping pro produce it, helping put it together, helping figure out a flow. And now they don't even need me, man. They rocking. They doing their thing. And that's what I want to see, man. I want to be able to take my foot off the gas and watch others create and do their thing and shine because, you know, it's not just about me getting looks and getting, you know, attention or being on camera. It's never been about that. It's about all of us winning as a collective. And that's what OG sports culture is. It's a collective of creatives that just want the others to do well as well as themselves, man. So shout out to OG Sports Culture. Shout out to Out of Character. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to the people listening, man. The people subscribing, the people liking, the people sharing. Y'all have made this journey so dope, man. So shout out to y'all. Take time today when you're listening to reflect and talk to yourself and ask yourself, what are you thankful for? What can you still be thankful for through all this tragedy? Maybe it's that your family's still healthy. Maybe it's that you haven't lost anybody due to COVID because these are scary times. Um, maybe you're happy that, you know, we're getting a change of presidents. Maybe you're happy that, you know, you're about to go back to work soon or things are starting to open back up. I'm not sure what it is, but take time to think about what you're grateful for, people, because mindset is everything mind body and soul are all it's all connected so being as positive and as loving and as thankful and as gracious as possible i promise y'all go a long way i wouldn't tell you if i didn't believe it everybody thank y'all so much we're done episode four is in the books man i'm about to go get some food this thanksgiving is gonna be crazy my sister cooking i'm headed to dc me and my son gonna be together me and my parents my sister her husband i can't wait man i can't wait to eat sis i hope you're throwing down because if anything is weird or gross i'm talking about it on the pod and i know you're listening so i listen i'm i'm hungry a brother is hungry my son is hungry so i'm ready to see what you do i know you got some skills in the kitchen so we're going to see, man. Thanksgiving, that's a big deal. But she's hosting. She has a brand new crib. So we're going to see it for the first time. Her and her husband bought a house in D.C., man. It's awesome in Maryland. Uh, I, I can't wait to see it, man. I'm so proud of her. And, yeah, man, it's going to be a beautiful week. So, like I said, manifest. Think about what you're thankful for. We're not going to be here next week, but we will be back early December. We're going to be coming back, man. We got more segments for y'all. We got more things to talk about. This is the Out of Character Podcast. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC too if you're listening. Thank you for listening. God bless.